Thanks for tuning in to MANA, a short daily meditation to feed hungry souls with God's Word. These episodes were prepared by ordained ministers for a radio broadcast called Voice of the Church and are now republished by the Reformed Perspective Foundation, a Canadian charity that applies biblical truth to the issues of our time. Here's today's serving. Well, thanks for joining me again today. Uh, Today we're going to be continuing our teaching series as we go through the doctrine of the sacraments. Today especially we're going to be looking together at the sacrament of the Lord's Supper, specifically Lord's Days 28, 29, and 30. Uh, But we're going to actually try tackle this entire topic in one message, and I hope it works out well for you. But as we get into this message, uh, I've entitled it, Taste and See That the Lord is Good. And so with that in mind, I would invite you to open your Bibles with me to the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 26, describing for us what takes place on the night that Jesus is betrayed. And I'd like to read with you just a few verses that speak about the institution of the Lord's Supper, Matthew, chapter 26. We read the following, Now as they were eating, Jesus took bread, and after blessing it, broke it, and gave it to the disciples, and said, Take, eat, this is my body. And he took a cup, and when he had given thanks, he gave it to them, saying, Drink of it, all of you, for this is my blood of the covenant, which is poured out for many for the forgiveness of sins. This is the word of the Lord. So today we are tackling a pretty massive topic We're going to break this entire message down into four questions. There are eight questions in these three Lord's Days. Some of them are fairly straightforward, but there are a few others that aren't so straightforward. Uh, To begin with, um, I think we need to look at the historical context. We need to understand why we have such a large section in the Catechism devoted to not just the sacraments, but the sacrament of the Lord's Supper. And so we'll begin with a question, like I said, about historical context. Why are there three massive Lord's Days on the doctrine of the Lord's Supper in the Heidelberg Catechism? And in particular, we're going to focus in on question and answer 80 of Lord's Day 30. And then we're going to look at what is the Lord's Supper and when was it instituted? We've pretty much answered the second part of that question already. Thirdly, we're going to look at what happens in the Lord's Supper. And finally, we are going to look at the question, who is the Lord's Supper for? Who may partake? Well, if you know anything about the Protestant Reformation of the 16th century, then you'll know that one of the biggest flashpoints, one of the biggest doctrinal flashpoints, was a debate between the Protestant Reformers and the Roman Catholics on the doctrine of justification. Uh, It's the doctrine of how do you get saved from your sins and escape the wrath of God? The question that was batted around was, do good works play a part in this at all? This was sort of the position of the Roman Catholic Church, and the Reformers said, well, no, not at all. When we read the Bible, we see that we are saved by grace alone, by faith alone, apart from works. But coming in closely, uh, right behind that first flashpoint was a second flashpoint, and this was on the doctrine of the sacraments. And really, if you've been following along with me over the last couple of weeks, then this shouldn't surprise you too much. If you think of Lord's Day 25, the question was asked, okay, uh, where does this faith come from? And the answer in the catechism was, well, it comes from God. It comes from the Holy Spirit. He makes us new. Uh, We're born again by the power of the Holy Spirit. Well, how does that happen? Well, the Holy Spirit does this ordinarily through certain channels, through certain means, the means of grace. And Lord's Day 25 said the Holy Spirit ordinarily creates faith through the word, through the preached word, through the word when it's read and opened. And the Holy Spirit strengthens our faith through the sacraments specifically the sacraments of baptism and the sacrament of Lord's Supper. 
Now, knowing all of this, knowing that the Reformers elevated the Word above the sacraments, uh, that will also inform how we understand the worship services that the Reformers created. The Reformers quickly got to work in the churches that they were working in, and where the altar stood for perhaps centuries in some churches, if you think of the church in Heidelberg, maybe there was an altar there for centuries. The Reformers took that altar where the Mass was offered week in, week out, day in, day out. They pushed it to the side, and they replaced it with a pulpit. And because on the pulpit they would expound and exposit, and they would preach the Word of God. They would preach the Gospel of Jesus Christ. And so you can understand that when these people come into the Reformed churches of the 16th century, it's a paradigm shift. That's why we have Lord's Days 28, 29, and 30. So what is the Lord's Supper? Maybe that seems like a bit of a strange question. We've been talking about this for quite some time already. It's a sacrament. What's a sacrament? Well, that's a sign and a seal. They are objective signs and seals instituted, given by God. So in this case, we think back to Matthew 26, instituted by Christ. Why? So that by their use, God might the more fully declare and seal to us the promise of the gospel. Well, what's the promise of the gospel? This is the promise that God graciously grants us forgiveness of sins, everlasting life, because of the one sacrifice of Christ accomplished on the cross. So both baptism and the Lord's Supper, they don't save us. They never do. They never have. They never will. But both of them, as signs and seals, they point our hearts and faith back to the cross, where Christ died on the cross, and when he said, it is finished, and our sins have been washed away in the blood of Jesus Christ. The Holy Spirit teaches us in the gospel and assures us by the sacraments that our entire salvation rests on Christ's one sacrifice for us on the cross. Now, everything that we said for baptism almost holds true for the Lord's Supper. So in the sacrament of baptism, the element is water. Lord's Supper is a little bit different. There are two new elements. There's the bread and there's the wine. Let's just briefly look at Lord's Day 28 because I think... We already understand, just from Lord's Day 25, what the sacrament of Lord's Supper should be saying. So let's just read this together. How does the Lord's Supper signify and seal to you that you share in Christ's one sacrifice on the cross and in all his gifts? That language is important, that you share. The point is, you already believe. You need to have faith in order to experience the grace of God and the work of the Holy Spirit in, in this sacrament. So here's the answer. In this way, Christ has commanded me and all believers to eat of this broken bread and drink of this cup in remembrance of him. So we look back to the cross. With this command, he gave these promises. First, as surely as I see with my eyes the bread of the Lord broken for me and the cup given to me, so surely was his body offered for me and his blood poured out for me on the cross. Second, as surely as I receive from the hand of the minister and taste with my mouth, the bread and the cup of the Lord, as sure signs of Christ's body and blood, so surely does he himself nourish and refresh my soul to eternal life with his crucified body and shed blood. Oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. Savor it, experience it, talk about it. This is something that's not an abstract truth, but it's made real to the senses, this almost is saying. And in the sacrament of Lord's Supper, that's what happens. We hold the bread in our hands. We hold the cup, whatever you want to call it, the thimble, the shot glass of, of the wine. And we eat it and we drink it and we taste it in the process. And it's a picture of tasting and seeing the goodness of God. And we remember the cross, but in that moment, we're also nourished. Moving on uh, to question and answer 76. What does it mean to eat the crucified body of Christ and to drink his shed blood first? To accept with a believing heart all the suffering and the death of Christ 
and so receive forgiveness of sins and life eternal. So you do this in faith. You don't do this mindlessly or heartlessly or thoughtlessly. Second, it means to be united more and more to his sacred body through the Holy Spirit who lives both in Christ and in us. Therefore, although Christ is in heaven and we are on earth, yet we are flesh of his flesh and bone of his bones, and we forever live and are governed by one spirit as the members of our body are one soul. So what actually happens during the sacrament of Lord's Supper? Uh, so let's take a look at Lord's Day 29 because it deals with this issue. Is there a physical presence of Jesus Christ in the sacrament? And here's the question and answer. Are then the bread and wine changed, transformed, transubstantiated into the real body and blood of Christ? No. Just as the water of baptism is not changed into the blood of Christ and is not the washing away of sins itself, but is simply God's sign and pledge, so also the bread in the Lord's Supper does not become the body of Christ itself, although it is called Christ's body, in keeping with the nature and usage of sacraments. Water doesn't wash away our sins. We know only the blood of Christ washes away our sins. And the same thing is happening here in the sacrament of Lord's Supper. And, and, and I love that phrase here, in keeping with the nature and usage of sacraments. It's sacramental language. Jesus speaks about this in, in John 6 when he calls himself, I am the bread of life. Now, we don't literally believe that Jesus is a loaf of bread any more than he's a door when he says, I am the door, or I am the way, the truth, and the life, or I am the light of the world. These are all metaphors that he's using to speak about his identity. But it tells us that Christ is food for our souls, our weary and our hungry and our thirsty souls. Moving on, it says, but even more important, he, Christ, wants to assure us by this visible sign and pledge first that through the working of the Holy Spirit, we share in his true body and blood as surely as we receive with our mouth these holy signs in remembrance of him. And second, that all his suffering and obedience are as certainly ours as if we personally had suffered and paid for our sins. It's a picture of the cross. It's a picture of our union with Jesus Christ, just like our baptism. When we eat the bread, when we drink the wine, we do it in remembrance of him. We believe that we are united to him in Christ. Our sins are gone and we are children of God, and the Holy Spirit works in our hearts as we partake of the sacrament. So this is what's really happening. Christ is spiritually present, but he's not physically present. So finally, let's take a look at that last question. Who are to come to the table of the Lord? Answer, those who are truly displeased with themselves because of their sins, and yet trust that these sins are forgiven them, and that their remaining weakness is covered by the suffering and death of Christ, and who also desire more and more to strengthen their faith, and amend their life, but hypocrites and those who do not repent eat and drink judgment upon themselves. Question 82. Are those also to be admitted to the Lord's Supper who by their confession and life show that they are unbelieving and ungodly? No, for then the covenant of God would be profaned and his wrath kindled against the whole congregation. Therefore, according to the command of Christ and his apostles, the Christian church is duty-bound to exclude such persons by the keys of the kingdom of heaven until they amend their lives. This is a fairly clear explanation of who belongs. Believers belong. And I think that is such a, a comfort to me. The point is that I'm a sinner and you're a sinner and we fall on our face every single day and we serve other idols and other gods at times in our lives. But the question is, do you recognize that sin in your life? And do you recognize 
those shortcomings in your life. And if you do, and you're sorrowful over your sin and you repent of these sins, you are welcome at the table of the Lord. The whole point of the sacrament of Lord's Supper is to strengthen your weak faith. This is more grace that God gives us. He doesn't just give us the word. He gives us the sacrament of baptism. We only experience that once. But then the Lord's Supper is something we experience regularly. And this is such a comfort to me, and I hope it's a comfort to you. But there is a warning here, and you see that at the very end of, of answer 81, anyone who's a hypocrite and anyone who doesn't repent of their sins should not be partaking of this sacrament. Well, why not? The sacrament points to an objective reality. Remember back in Lord's Day 25, the promise of the gospel. Well, if you're living in sin, and then you're, you're partaking of the sacrament of Lord's Supper, you're basically saying, I can live in sin, and I can pretend I believe in Jesus Christ at the same time. It's, it's making a, a mockery of the cross every time you do that. And so then there's a, a mechanism that's put in place by the grace of God. We can think of how the Lord uses his word and he uses discipline to keep the table pure. And that's what we're going to look at in Lord's Day 31 next time. Point is, the sacrament of Lord's Supper is for you and me, believers who are weak in our faith, and we need assurance day after day as we stumble through this life. So let's pray together. Heavenly Father, we thank you once again for the opportunity to open your word and also the opportunity to spend some time reflecting on your grace to us in the sacrament of Lord's Supper. Father, we thank you that every time we, we eat the bread and we drink the wine, we can, in a tangible way, taste and see that you are good. And we pray this in the name of our risen Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen.